This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. The last two Sundays, I've chosen to kind of do it. I guess I've called it, I don't know, I don't think I've branded it or marketed it this way, but I've just referred to the last few weeks as a little summer series. Uh, It's been a real short three-week series dealing with something that I felt strongly that God put in my heart wrapping up the summertime months of June and July with being set apart by, by being consecrated unto God. Uh, we cannot have all of God unless he has all of us. If you just want a piece of God, then you're probably only going to give him a piece of you. But if you will give him everything, you can take it to the bank that you can have all that God has for you. So over the last few weeks, we've just been kind of talking about working through the concept that it's all or nothing, that, that, that there's a point in our walk with God where we honestly have to get off the fence and we have to choose, are we going to live for God or are we going to just kind of flirt with God? Pastor Don, is it going to be all that he has, or are we just content with a little good feeling of God every now and then? So my prayer for us, I'm just stating it, letting you know what I'm praying for, is that all of us just really go after God, commit to God, submit to his word, and really become consecrated unto the Lord. Uh, Last week, we, we, we dealt with the same theme. We, we worked through a little bit of a different, uh, a different angle of it concerning that once you do commit your life to God, you, you really need to cut ties with any opportunity to go back uh, to another way of living. The, the old school term is backsliding. And what we're talking about is drawing cold in your faith. You can't afford to, to, to commit to God and then have uh, these, these memories of yesterday bring you backwards. God's never going to take you backwards. He'll never, ever call on your marriage to be less of a marriage than it is now. He'll never call on you to have less of a spiritual walk than it is now. God's progressive. God's always advancing. He doesn't want you. He doesn't have a desire for you to know less of him than you know now. God's ways are always moving you forward, higher, deeper. He's always wanting to take you into more of him because he's always wanting more of you. Are you tracking with me? Hey, it's summertime. Has anybody been swimming this summer at all? Anybody that's been swimming? A few, few of you have been swimming. Guess what happens in the swimming pool, right? Most swimming pools these days are being built with these beach entries. As in, uh, you kind of walk your way in. There's a little shallow area. And then you go deeper and you go deeper and you go deeper into a place that's safe to be uh, being, having a dive or, or jumping into. Well, God's ways are this. He's cool with you kind of getting your feet wet with him. He's okay with you checking him out. But he doesn't want you to just stop there. 
He wants to take you a little bit deeper. There's a little reference in the Old Testament concerning waters that were ankle deep, knee deep, uh, thigh deep, waist deep. God's ways are always going deeper. Are you tracking with me? So today, we're just going to go a little deeper in this thought, this idea of it's all or nothing. And I want to wrap up this little three-week series with this statement as my title, Enough is enough. There's a point that you're going to have to get to in your walk with God where only you as a man or a woman or a student, no one can make this kind of statement for you. You're going to have to wake up and have this moment where you go, all right, enough is enough. I'm going after God. And unfortunately, how you get to those moments of enough for enough is you have enough of whatever it is you've been going through on your own. And you get to the point where you're kind of waving a, a towel and saying, I surrender, I surrender all. And you say enough is enough. Let's get started today. There was a meteorologist, a very highly educated MIT meteorologist that had this software program that he would plug in these different numbers and systems into. It was a theoretical attempt on his part that ended up proving true over the long haul. But he was convinced, he just had to have the science prove it. He was convinced that one small step one simple act could snowball into bringing about great change. That great change doesn't happen in moments of greatness. Great change happens over time. Well, it was in the year 1967 that he actually presented this theory to the New York Academy of Science. The theory is something that I have a feeling that a lot of you are going to be familiar with. I was familiar with it even before getting the back story of how it came about. It's the butterfly effect. Some of you are familiar with it. This gentleman by the name of Edward Lorenz believes with all of his heart and now he has been able to prove to some degree that even one flap of a butterfly's wings all the way in Brazil could actually create current through the wind to the degree of causing a Texas tornado. To help you kind of enjoy the humor of, of this, if you're a TV watcher, you've probably seen the funny nationwide insurance commercial where one accident leads to another accident to another accident to another accident and it speeds all the way up and it covers multiple cities to this great terrible catastrophe that all happened all because a butterfly landed on a suburban's mirror and it caused the alarm to go off, which in turn caused a squirrel to get scared and he dropped his nut that he was carrying up the tree and it fell in into a lady's drink. It startled her. Long story short, 
great change doesn't just happen. Great change happens when you're willing to just make one small, minor adjustment in your life. How this theory became proven true was by accident. Mr. Lorenz had been entering this particular number, 0.506127, as a part of the equation of his program. He had been entering that trial after trial after trial after trial. And lo and behold, this calculated genius MIT grad, he slips up and makes a uh, an error one day because he was rushed. He didn't have enough time. He didn't have enough margin. So he accidentally rushes and he rounds the number up this one time to 0. .506. He figured, oh, it's not going to make that much of a difference. It's just one one thousandth of one percent. It's not going to make that big of a difference. And in all reality, that was equivalent to one puff of wind. But the net change of that one puff of wind in his programming equaled out to be a catastrophic weather event. So what am I trying to set you up for this morning in these opening remarks? You don't have to make hundreds and thousands of changes in your life to see God Change your world. All you need is to be 100% committed to one change that could change your life 100%. You do not have to have years of modification. You don't have to have hours and hours of, of adjustments made. You just need to be 100% committed to one change in your life to see God change your life 100%. Just think if we fully 100% started praying. What could happen if we went from being people that prayed occasionally to being people of prayer. We don't have to change a whole lot of things. We just need to change the right things. What would happen if we went from being people that gave occasionally to being a giver and being 100% committed to giving? What would happen if we just didn't worship every now and then on the particular song that pleased our hearing? What if we just became a worshiper? A hundred percent committed to being a worshiper. What would happen? And I could go on and on and on. Here's where we get into our struggle is we look at the smorgasbord. We look at the wide array of all these things that we need to change about ourselves. And my list is a lot longer than your list. 
I've got so many areas in my life that I need to work on and that I need to change. And unfortunately, what happens, we get overwhelmed with all the possibilities of where we need to work on. I need to lose weight. I need to read more. I need to pray more. I need to give more. I need to be sweet more. I need to listen more and talk less. I need this. I need that. You don't have to say amen in any of these I'm saying. But I need to do all of this. And what it does, it puts the weight, check me, check me. It puts the weight of the world of change on my shoulders. And I start realizing I can't do all of this. But if I would just focus in on one change, can I tell you that I'm just one change away from everything changing in my life? I don't have to overcomplicate it. I don't have to overwhelm myself. I don't have to outdo myself or anyone else. I just need to get focused and disciplined in one area in my life spiritually and let God do what God can do in my life. Someone clap your hands to the Lord. Some, hey, join, join with me and say these words out loud. Say one decision. Say one choice. Say one discipline. Say one risk. Yeah, I'm just one step. Everybody say one step. Man, I'm not 10 steps from God. I'm one step from God. I'm not 10 steps from overcoming. I'm one step from overcoming. I'm not 100 yards from breaking through. I'm one step from breaking through, man. I don't have a long list of to-dos. I just need one thing. And the enemy wants us to be overwhelmed with all of our faults, all of our limitations, all of our flaws, Man, anybody else other than me got a few flaws in your life? Yeah? Some of you, your flaw is not recognizing that you're flawed. Because you didn't even attempt to raise your hand. I've got some flaws. I've got, some, I've got setbacks and hangups. And the enemy wants to point every single one of them out to me and remind me of them every single day. But boy, if I could just get focused and become a man of prayer or a man of worship, or a man of his word, if I could just hone in and say, Father, I'm so messed up in so many areas, but God, I'm serious now. Enough is enough about this area. I'm going all in on this, pri uh, this principle and priority. I'm gonna put you first in my life in this area. I'm going all in, and I'm not gonna be someone that prays. I'm gonna be a man of prayer. Sister Vani, God would honor that. And God would have, he would have every right and reason because faith pleases him. And according to the scriptures, I believe that I would be positioning myself, I'd be setting myself up for God's best to be experienced in my life. I mentioned a while ago about you're just one risk away. Let's talk about taking some risk. Because for some of us, when we consider the idea of it's all or nothing, that's kind of risky. Because that means we're going against what mom taught us. We're going to put all of our eggs in that basket. 
And we're going all in, right? We're, we're, we're burning our plows like last week. Remember that? We're, we're, we're not looking back. We're, we're, we're severing ties. We're going forward. That's kind of risky, isn't it? There's a lot of risk takers all throughout the scripture. If I had the time, I could preach about so many of them today. But I want to open up your eyes to a gentleman that maybe some of you have never heard of. There's a name in scripture, a person in scripture, that some of you are not as familiar with as you are some others. In the book of Judges, chapter number three, I want to introduce you to a risk taker. Someone that really took a huge risk, but it paid off for him. He's got a real unique name. I doubt that in the second service, I will dedicate a child by the name of Shamgar. Shamgar. Sounds like a fish with big teeth. Shamgar. Judges chapter 3 and verse 31. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines, 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Any of you fellas or ladies in the room know what an ox goad is? Cattle prod. Cattle prod. Shamgar took out 600 men with a cattle prod. Now you might ask, that's not risky, that's crazy. Absolutely it's crazy. It's real crazy. I've, I've been watching on social media uh, our friends in this church. We have a few families in our church that, 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 are, that are raising livestock. And there's so many of you in this room that have history raising livestock. Could you imagine going into an all-and-out fist fight with nothing else but a cattle prod? That's what Shamgar did. And you might need to know this going forward in our lesson today. Why did he feel compelled to fight 600 Philistines with a cattle prod? Because he had enough. Enough of what? Enough of their oppression. See, he was a, a, a part of the family of the Lord, and they had done some things that were unpleasing in the sight of God. And now they were in slavery, and, and they were being held down and held back, being oppressed by the unrighteous. You're going to have to stay with me this morning. They were being pressed down, held back, oppressed by the unrighteous. Can I preach this in modern day? Not going to go political. Not going to turn this into something, something volatile here. But can I tell you, that at some point, if you're going to make it in your Christian faith, you're going to have to come off the fence and have enough of the oppression, the pressed down, the being held back by the unrighteous. I spent a few minutes Friday afternoon. As soon as I landed in town, I was away for a few days at a ministry conference. And as soon as I arrived home, I was spending a few minutes with a, with a new believer that's a part of this church, brand new to God. And he, he was just stirred up over the most recent tragedy in Louisiana and Lafayette movie shooting. And, and one thing led to the next in his conversation. He said, I think this goes all the way back to when we took prayer out of schools. And, and I don't want to go chasing rabbits right now in this sermon. But I heard in the voice 
of a new believer, of someone that's new in their faith, that's not been living for God for 50 years, brand new, it's already obvious that he's kind of at his point where he's had enough. And he's starting to verbalize and vocalize that there's a point, if we're going to be Christian, then we can't just be okay with being held back, oppressed, pushed down by the unrighteous. There's a point where the church has got to stand up and say, enough is enough. Now, that's, that's the church, and I heard something cute this week. That's the church with the big C. That's the big C church. But what about you as an individual? What about the oppression in your own family? What about the oppression on your job? What about the oppression even sitting with somebody on the same pew even right now in the little church with the C? There's a point where you get fed up with being held back, pushed down, oppressed by the unrighteous, where you have to say enough is enough, and you have to do something with your faith. Maybe I should have went to VBS today. I don't know. Is this all right? Faith without works is, that's right. We can't say that we have faith and not being stirred to want to do more for God and be more for God. Shamgar said, I'm done, man. I've got kids to bring up. I've got a wife to provide for. I've got distant family I got to protect. And, and I'm not a military guy. I'm not serving in, in the army. I do not have an alliance. I've not been working the room and gathering the gang together. I don't have a gun. I don't have a sword. I don't have a weapon. All I have is enough is enough. And all I have is a little bit of confidence in God. All I have is a little bit of faith in God and a cattle prod. And that brother picked up a cattle prod and whipped him 600 Philistines. If you catch a man with a cattle prod this week and you see him holding cattle, you better walk away. Don't get sideways with a man with a cattle prod because Shamgar whip you. Check this out real quick. Let's move quickly. Shamgar picked up a cattle prod and, and, and delivered Israel. Two little points to consider. He did not let what he did not have stop him from using what he did. Check this out. He did not let what he could not do stop him from doing what he could do. You do realize the thoughts probably went through his mind at a million miles per hour. I don't have a weapon. I've never fought before. I'm just a man with a cattle prod. I don't have an artillery. I don't have friends. I don't have an alliance. I don't have a team, a gang. I don't have a, a platoon. I don't have a group. But he did not allow what he didn't have or what he could not do to stop him from using what he did have and doing what he could do. 
All of us look for excuses on why we can't fully commit to God. We don't have enough money to fully commit to God. We don't have enough education to fully commit to God. We can't fully commit to God. We don't have enough time to fully commit to God. That church is wanting more of my time. That church is wanting more of my, my resource. That church is wanting so much that I don't have. So I don't think I could fully commit. Can I just tell you something? There's a point where enough is enough of the excuses and you just have to use what you've got. All of us have got the same amount of time and all of us have, uh, we may have different numbers when it comes to resource, but all of us have the same provision. It's called God. And at some point, you can't offer up excuse after excuse of why you can't live for the Lord. You're gonna have to get to a point where you say, enough of this, I'm gonna live and serve the almighty God. I'm done with trying to ride the fence. Clap your hands to the Lord this morning. I'm gonna cut things a little bit short here. Let me, let me, let me, let me talk to you this way before we pray a prayer of dismissal over you. Courage doesn't wait till all the factors turn in your favor. Courage does not wait until there's a perfect plan. Courage does not wait until it's popular. Courage waits on one thing, and that is the stirring of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that says enough of this, I'm going in for God. I'm gonna settle the issue for my family forever. This morning, I... I want to remind you of a gentleman by the name of Noah. Say yes to God for the long haul. I think a lot of reasons why we struggle by completely consecrating our lives unto the Lord is because our history might have been just on occasion. And whenever you try to live for God on occasion, what you receive is a high and a low in your walk with God. You receive a victory and a valley. You receive a lot of good experiences, but oh, you, you, you have a lot of lonely experiences because you're flipping a light switch on for God and turning the light switch off for God. Don't you realize that whatever God's calling you to is probably gonna take a little bit longer, and it's gonna probably take a little bit more work than maybe what your, your hope would be. Think about this guy, Noah. Think about his, his years of service, but he was in it for the long haul. If I could just get a handful of people to look around this nine o'clock service as I quickly get to a place of closing, if you just look around this service, and, and I don't want to, I'm probably silly for calling names because I know I'm going to leave someone out and I, I trust that you won't be offended when you, when, if I skip you. It's not on purpose. But when I think of the Richardsons, that's the long haul. When I think of Dan and Patricia, that's the long haul. And Wayne and Peggy, that's the, man, that's the long haul sitting right there. Brent Jenkins and Amy Coonrod, you're sitting next to Man, that's the long haul living for God right there in your mom and dad. 
When I think of Pastor Don Howard and his beautiful wife, Milbury, that's the long haul living for God. When we're talking about going all in and we're talking about being consecrated unto God, we're not talking about just during the fight. We're not talking about just during the heated moment of life. If you're really going to see the full blessings of God, man, you're going to have to burn plows like we preached about last week. You're going to have to burn the ships like we talked about last week. You're going to have to make a commitment that's for the long haul. Because guess what happens in the long haul? He's with you the whole time. Because he's got all of you. And you exchange all of you for all of him. And you exchange all your future for all of his. You ever had a friend that you just weren't really sure where they were in the relationship? You call them a few times, they don't pick up. And then next thing you know, they're like knocking on your door unexpectedly. It's like, okay, this is weird. We were doing lunch, we're not doing lunch. And now all of a sudden you're wanting to go on vacation. And you're just not really sure the connection. Have you ever thought for a moment that God probably wonders sometimes, where are you in this? I offer this to us in closing this morning. Why don't we take a risk in establishing the relationship with God by holy consecration unto him and stating up front, you've got me in your hands for the long haul. I don't have anything to go back to. My greatest partner is you, and we're in this together. And watch what God can do when he knows where you are in the relationship. When God feels secure, that he's got all of your heart, you will not be able to keep the blessings, the favor, the victory, the abundance, the increase, the power, the love, the victory of God off of your life. You've got to kind of know where you stand. As you stand this morning, I want to wrap this up with talking about some risks that we can take together. Why do we settle the debt game? Why do we settle the debt issue? How about your finances? Take a risk. I know it's scary. Take a risk and commit to God that you're done racking up the debt. Give him a chance in your finances. It's hard to give God a chance in your finances if you're determined to do it your way. Why don't you take a risk, give God a chance through Christian counseling. Man, I don't want everybody to know my business. Then keep working through your business. 
you'll take a risk in that marriage, go allow me to facilitate a relationship for you with Christian counseling. If not, you're going to take a risk at being single. Don't take a risk in filing for divorce if you're not yet to take the risk on at least taking a risk in looking for the help you need. I'm just trying to talk to you real life here before I pray over you. Because some of you are wondering, what, what, what risk do I need to take? Take a risk and apply for the job. I know, I know others might tell you that it's out of your lane and, and that you're not qualified enough. You'll never know until you take a risk on it. Take a risk with it. Take a risk and ask forgiveness. I don't know if they're going to receive it. I don't know if they'll forgive me. You'll never know until you take that risk. Don't let what you don't know stop you from at least taking a risk. Go sit down and ask forgiveness. Take a risk and make things right with those that you love. <laughs> so funny how, how this sermon's just this last few days, man. I told Bishop Ron, and Bishop Ron is such a powerful covering and help in my life at this point in my life. And I was sharing with him, I mean, you're in town for 10 minutes and you just see so much chaos in so many people's lives when you're away for three days and then you walk in town and you see so much turmoil in people's lives, you realize it's, it's easy to have major problems when you're not sure if you're in or out with God. If, if, man, if you'll just commit, that's the first step, man, at receiving God's full help that you need in your life. Take some risk. Allow God to work in your life. Let's pray together. Father, right now, all over this room, I pray for these that are here. Father, take my scattered words and take my inability to communicate as I really would like today. And somehow or another, Lord, find one sentence that I've said, one statement that I've made, and allow it to be the life change for someone. Lord God, on a busy day with baby dedications and vacation Bible school and so much stuff going on, the most important thing this day is right now. Because there's someone in this room, this is my last opportunity to talk to them on this day concerning their commitment factor. God, they know if they've been wishy-washy and coy in their response to you. They know if they've they know if they've been dodging you at times. So right now, by the help of God, do what I can't do as a preacher. Do what only you can do by the help of the Holy Spirit. Capture their heart and give them the courage 
Not to wait for everything to be perfect in their life. Not to wait till everything lines up for them. But give them the courage now to say, I'm done. Enough is enough. I'm fully committing my life to Jesus Christ and giving him the long haul, the years to come. I'm going to take a risk and do it God's way. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you feel the Lord calling.